when Black Lives Matter hit, what a lot of, you know, white people would say to me was, um, but hang on a minute, all lives matter. Mm. And I would say, you know what, when they actually do, come back to me. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> I, I was just... I was flabbergasted at that comment, but so many people said it because, you know what, there are a lot of white people out there who felt left out. And it's just like, hey, wait a minute. Like, just give me that, please. Like, just give me just that, that tiny Black Lives Matter. Just let me have that, please. Welcome to the True and Well podcast. We're your hosts, Chandra Riley and Nikki Kilburn. We hold conversations with people from marginalized communities that will inspire you to connect with their purpose. In this conversation, we're talking about how the 2020 uprising affected us with our guest, Charlotte Grieve. Charlotte is a British woman of Bayesian descent. Her passions are music, nature, yoga, starting to write again, and integrating health and well-being at this stage of her life. Hi, Nikki. How are you today? Hi, Chandra. I'm really good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Hello, Charlotte. Hello. (laughs) As far as the uprising slash awakening, I certainly woke up. I mean, that was something that made me think, is this ever going to end? And I wonder for you, Charlotte, as a Black woman, what has changed for you? Well, when Black Lives Matter hit, I was in Barbados. So I went on a, uh, on a march, we uh, demonstrated. But in Barbados, the people there, Bayesian people, are very compliant. You don't mess with the law. Um, in, in July 2020, I came back to Edinburgh and it was the strangest feeling. It was like I would walk down the street and white people would smile at me. But mm, mm-hmm. it was like they were smiling at me, wanting me to smile back. You know, kind of like we know what's gone on we see you and I think like what you just said there Charlotte about like post George Floyd and then you know you said that you were in Barbados and then coming back and everybody was like oh hey black person I know what your story is I I know what you've been through I kind of found that um uncomfortable yeah that suddenly even as a brown woman you know not as a black woman as a South Asian brown woman that suddenly these people even in my community where I'm living were like making a point of smiling at me when they had actually ignored me before. Yeah. I mean, it did feel strange to me, white people wanting to converse with me, whereas before there wasn't really any of that. Um, But I have to say, I did feel a bit of a sense of empowerment. Like... yeah. I ca- I am yeah. now noticed in this very white space. That felt really, that felt good. That felt like. Well, you're feeling, yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow. I, 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 yeah. 
it felt good. It really did. Hmm. You felt seen. I felt seen, yes. Yes. Loving this podcast? Go to session notes for links to our blog, website and socials. Thanks for listening. I remember, Charlotte, when I first met you guys, we were in a group online and it was a circle group, a trail work circle. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, I've never really been much of a political person. But what I've realized since 2020, which you would think at my age, I would have known this by now, being a woman and being Black is political. Absolutely. I've I've definitely realized that yes being black being a black woman is political having dreadlocks is political do you know it it and you know I I'm 50 and I think that Charlotte we might be around the same age yeah I'm 52 uh I've went through so many years just trying to prove that I am not to be afraid of not to be whispered about not to, you know, that I am just like you. It's a bit, it's a relief that people finally are getting that this is how we've been walking this earth yeah. and that it's painful. Um, because of like the, um, the elevation in consciousness post George Floyd, that, um, you know, racism is in, you know, um, the public conversation now in a way that it wasn't before people are aware and understand the complexities of the experience the politics um, the oppression that it creates the trauma and I've started to wonder what it's like not to experience racism me too me too I would just look I, I was just like I wonder what that feels like I cannot even imagine what that would be like. I mean, you know, I mean, coming back from Barbados and traveling around on buses, buses for me is a place where I've experienced a lot of racism and difficulty. And I can't even imagine what that would be like to like step on the bus and not be stared at or have somebody whisper yeah or and just the whole paranoia you know um if if i see somebody talking you know are they talking about me you know you, you, the little side glance at you and then a whisper and that paranoia um it, it it's awful i can't even imagine i mean it must be i don't know bliss <laughs> yeah to not have that, to not think about, you know, just those tiny, those little microaggressions, those daily things that we just experience and carry around with us and take home. And, and at the end of the day, we're exhausted. Wow. That's it, Charlotte. I, That's it. I would love. <laughs> I know, right? Like how much freer, how much freer would we feel? How much lighter? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think there have been a lot of people, especially in 2020, who, you know, got woke and 
were anti-racist. So I found that it just started to slow down and quiet down. Personally, less people wanted to learn and less people were saying, I'm racist and I know it and how do I not be racist? It just became minimal. And you don't hear that noise so much anymore. So I just wonder if what you guys think about the sustainability of the anti-racism momentum that built up um, since 2020. And if it, do you think that it's something that will continue to impact as much as it had or not? I think at the time when, you know, of George Floyd's death, we were in a, a global pandemic. And I think that everybody will agree that it was a global movement where people came together and it had real meaning and um, genuine um, motivation um, for change. It was very authentic and it was across generations. Mm -hmm. And but alongside that, it was trending. Yeah, yeah. Because how do we receive our information and our is through the media? Yes, of course. Yeah, and to do the work takes time. You you know it, it really requires you know investment of yourself. Um, you know some deep reflection. Um accessing information and knowledge and I think that if it isn't directly impacting on your life or part of or part of yeah part of your experience or in your feed yeah or in your feed exactly it can be it can just go off the radar and I don't I don't think that that's anything that people are doing intentionally mm. but life is so busy and there is so much going on all the time for many of us and I think that in that time people had time there is a sense now that people have you know are getting back to sort of more normality you know the the pandemic isn't as full-on as it was you know we're 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 People are going back to work. People are traveling, you know. People had a lot of time on their hands to, to, to focus. And like you say, Nikki, it was, it was trending. Um, and I think that like that, even though, there, as we say, you know, there's been shifts and sparks of change, like post-George Floyd, racism is still very much part of our lives. And we're still living with it and we're still, you know, obviously we're fighting the good fight. But on a personal, I think that all three of us are like saying, yeah, you know, it's still there. We're still having to deal with it. And then if we are, that probably means that everybody else is as well. And I think, Nikki, when you say about it, it takes time to change things. But I think with race and racism, there's so much change that needs to happen right at the top. So like criminal justice, the court system, um, the incarceration, um, 
so much needs to change up there. And that's going to take time. Hi, it's Chandra here. If you're enjoying this podcast and you don't want to miss a conversation, please subscribe. Thanks for listening. Charlotte, did you have anything else that you wanted to bring to the session? You had mentioned something about what did things mean to us in terms of like, what did woke mean? What did um, a meaningful connection mean? What did, um, what was the other one? Best um, thing about being human. Being human. Yeah, I was going to ask you this. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Taking over. I love that. But I love the way you were just like, yeah, I want to say that. (laughs) I'm ready. Let's go. Will I go? Well, shoot, shoot. Shoot, baby. So, Charlotte. Chandra. We have three questions that we ask (laughs) every guest. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's human. Okay. Um, we have three questions that we ask each guest. You've got me giggly now. Um, <laughs> Charlotte, what does woke mean to you? Woke to me means awareness, connection, justice, and strength. What does a meaningful connection feel like? Listening, being heard gratitude and connection with nature and just the cycles yeah the cycles of nature what is the best thing about being human um breathing loving living um giving and growth wow you you said breathing and i just had to take a breath it was like yeah oh gosh absolutely yeah i've really enjoyed this conversation because i definitely don't feel alone in my experience of racism i just read this quote and i just really like it um a, a model called monroe bergdorf of the i think jamaican heritage done a lot for the trans community yeah, re- real amazing person. Um, racism is something that we all participate in, but only certain people benefit from. And I, I, I just think that is that stood out to me. Yeah. Thank you both. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been special. Thank you. Thank you, Chandra. And thank you, Charlotte, for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. I feel quite sad, actually, after the conversation, um, because we have been talking about racism, just something that is really heavy and affects our lives and so many others' lives. But I also feel really cared for and understood, and that's, that's, that's supportive. So I think it's really important that you know we take time to look after ourselves. If people are listening to us, then take time out to look after yourselves too. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others. 
post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at Ruined Woke or on our Facebook page, Ruined Woke. Links to resources mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. Special thanks to AJIT and Matt Elliott Music. True and Woke is a community interest company based in Scotland. This episode is funded by the National Lottery Awards for All. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon.